The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Welcome to another fun, exciting, possibly romantic, no, it's not romantic, edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny. How the fuck are you guys? I hope you are all doing very well. I am proud to present a trip to the border on this podcast. This podcast, I talked to a Border Patrol agent. Interesting conversation, and of course, it's one of those things where it's so involved that I'm sure I didn't ask everything I should have, but I found it even re-listening to it, really enlightening. So I think you guys are going to dig it. Nice guy, super awesome guy. So good podcast. Now, before we get into the podcast, of course, I got to give big thanks to the sponsor of this podcast, which is the V Development Group. And they have sponsored a bunch of episodes so far. They're doing a great job of putting my kids through college. So thank you guys a whole lot. But not only are they good to me, they're good for active law enforcement, and they're good for people that just want to take care of themselves. That includes Steiner Optics. They got Two different models to pick from, the Steiner MPS and the Steiner DRS-1X. Now, besides optics, what else do you need for a gun? You need a holster, and you also need a belt that's going to support it. Feed Development Group's got both. Holsters, belts, including the world-famous Megging Yard belt. And, of course, they've got medical supplies. Do you need a kit? They've got a kit. Do you need a ratcheting medical tourniquet? They've got those tourniquets. Do you need things to replenish your kit? They've got the gauze. They have the packs. They have the scissors. They have all the good stuff that you're going to need. So check out my friends over at V Development Group, the educated end user's choice. VDevGru.com, V-D-E-V-G-R-U.com. And, of course, I'll have the link in the podcast description. Don't forget, new customers save with code PMPM. All right. Well, uh, we'll get into the podcast. Just a couple quick things. Yesterday, I dropped some new coins and patches with Ghost Patch. So hopefully those are still available. But if you haven't seen it on page, go check it out. And uh, I'm pretty proud of these. They're pretty fucking cool. And then uh, I got, of course, new merch on my uh, Teespring site, which everything through the end of the month on the T-shirt side and the mugs and all that, put in the code YEET and you'll save a couple bucks. So... Let's play some music. How about a little Harmony Grove? Be right back with the podcast. I feel like my soul is haunted. 
Now the moment you've all been waiting for, I have the man, the myth, the legend protecting us at our southern border. Kelly, how are you, buddy? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm uh just having a f- couple brewskis, man. You have anything to drink? Yeah, water. I am sweating my ass off right now. <laughs> it it's it like, appears it's over that 100 it's, degrees. <laughs> well, actually, uh, in my my uh, part of the country, it was hot as dick today, too. I was driving back from the grocery store, and the car said 103. So, yeah. Apparently, there's this heat wave thing going on. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's all over the news. It, I, not to be a dick, it's summer. It gets hot in the summer, man. I, I saw, like, news articles, like, how to stay cool in the heat. Don't go outside. Have a fucking fan on. How that dumb are people? Nice. Well, unfortunately, I can't always stay inside. So well, that that's true. And, but I, uh, the article was like, "How do senior citizens stay, you know, cool on these hot days?" Hey, I like don't go outside. When, hey, I like the ones when England was talking about the heat wave they they were having, and you figure it out. It's like it's eighty five degrees. <laughs> it's pretty hot over there, man. They, they're not ready for it. Yeah, that, now now it's a hundred. It's been a hundred degrees the last couple of days there. So yeah, they're kind of sucking. Yeah, <laughs> they're not used to that. Well. I'm actually having a drink and I'm having a new drink. And uh, for those that have followed the podcast for a while, I started out with this horrible, horrible whiskey called a pickled wicked pickle. And um, I've really strayed away from the the flavored whiskey and just drank regular whiskey like man of late, but I'm a fat guy and I was in the grocery store and it caught my eye. It's called dough ball whiskey. And apparently it's supposed to taste like cookie dough. So this is either the best idea I've ever had or the worst idea I've ever had. Are you ready to, to hear what's about to happen right now? Hey, want me to do like a little prayer for you? Cause that, that sounds hideous. I don't, there's a mom joke to be made there, but I'm not going to do it. Cause I'm a man of culture. Yeah. All right. I'm going to start out with a little sip here. Holy fuck. Holy shit. That man. is really good. I need them to sponsor me so I can make lots of money. What is this stuff called again? Cookie it dough? It is called. I, I'm sure there's like some fucking law against like trying beer on podcasts or something, but it's called dough ball cookie dough whiskey. Doughball. Now, all of you of age people that are going to go out and run out and get it. I put it in the freezer first and chilled it. I don't know if that made it better or not, but I will. This gets my this gets a PM PM approval on fucking flavored whiskey. Now, keep in mind, I'm fat and I like cookies, so. If you're not fat and don't like cookies, you might not like it, but I'm I'm telling you it's pretty good. Is it better than what's uh what was the other one? Screwball, the peanut butter one? I don't like peanut butter as much as other people. The peanut butter screwball shit, I don't like it. I I don't like it very much. I know people fucking love that stuff, but I, I got no time for that. <laughs> now, at some point we'll talk about what you do, but okay. you I'm gonna pop you're gonna pop the cherry of a brand new bit on this podcast. At the end of the podcast, you are going to guess my BAC because I bought a portable little breath to test tester down here. And so you are the first person to play this game. Are you excited? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Let's see. Now, is this, hey, now did you pregame at all? 
Yes. And I, I'm not, I'll let whoever comes on, I'll let them decide if they want to know, if they want to just guess on how much I slur and how much times I say um or like, or if they, if they want to go easy mode and know about how much I've drank. So I did pregame it. Uh, I had a, like a mixer type drink uh, during dinner because that's what healthy people do. And then uh, I'm on this, uh, it's, I'm basically going to drink like a shot glass, maybe more. We'll see how it goes of this, of this whiskey stuff. And then I got some uh, bush lattes for the farmers for down the road. So I'll, I will let you know as I drink. So you, so you can kind of put some math together. All right. Okay. No calculators. Okay. No cheating. Um, Only, only hand math. I'm not. I'm that I'm that fifth out of four people that struggle with math. So, well, that's why you're a cop. Pretty much. Well, let's fucking get into it, man. So my friend Kelly here, he works on the southern border, and he's a border patrol agent. Correct. That is true. Prior to the the border patrol, did you have any outside law enforcement experience, or is this the your law enforcement experience? This is my law enforcement experience. Um, when I was active duty, I was looking at getting on with the uh, the California Highway Patrol, what my, my dad had done, and did my re-enlistment, thinking, you know, thinking towards the future as I was getting, well, a couple years out from when I was going to separate. And I found out that I was going to exceed the age limit before I, uh, before I was done with my enlistment, which at the time was, I believe, 32. So... That didn't work out. I uh, looked at some other places. Um, didn't want to go work for the county sheriffs because everywhere I went, you were going to start out at minimum 18 months in the jail. What I would heard was there was guys that had been there four or five years still waiting for their chance to go to the road. So I was like, nah, not going to hang around for that. And saw the Border Patrol. Uh, I'd seen them back when they had interior stations where I lived. So I uh, looked into that and I was like, man, this looks like a lot of fun. You don't get, I mean, I can't say I don't go to any domestics because we do back up our, our local uh, agencies, at least in the smaller area, rural areas. But um, it's not a daily occurrence. I'm not sitting on the highway handing out tickets. Um, pretty much go out, hike around in the, in the hills, in the desert, and basically go out and look for people kind of a fun job it's like hide and go seek it, it kind of reminds me and this is probably the worst analogy of all time but we used to play a game called oh fuck what was it called now it's gonna drive me nuts but in high school we basically played a, a game where we'd blindfold each other drive around town and then get dumped off and the whole point of the game was to get back home before the uh the people looking for you found you it, it basically hide and seek but in cars well if we do it with cars sometimes too not with horses anymore, right? And whips? Nope. nope. Still do horses. <laughs> Sorry. No politics, <laughs> probably. I looked I looked into Border Patrol, I would assume maybe around the same time that you kind of got in based on how long you've been on. And, you know, at the time I was, you know, dating my wife and I kind of looked at it and I was like, ah, I don't really want to move. And But you yeah. brought up something that I thought was really interesting is that are there interior spots for Border Patrol or how's that work? So after 9-11, the organization of the Border Patrol changed. Before Department of Homeland Security, we were under the Department of Justice. And like way back in the day, 
when the Border Patrol started, they were actually under the Department of Labor. So we've been the redheaded stepchild of law enforcement since our existence. Um, but they used to have interior stations. Well, shoot, even uh, in Arkansas, they had them. As far north as that, they had them in interior of California, uh, up into Sacramento. Then they slowly started shutting down those stations. They took, we used to have our own um, immigration investigators. Oh, is that like the INS stuff where they used to go yeah. to people's employers yeah. and do that kind yeah. of shit? Okay. Yeah, we had Immigration Naturalization Services, INS. That was our parent company, so to speak. Then they developed or created a Homeland Security Investigations and ICE. So the INS went away. Um, we got absorbed into Customs and Border Protection. So there was no need for us to be doing interior enforcement anymore. Could be wrong on this, but I think the most interior station we have now is in San Antonio or was in San Antonio. And I've heard rumors that that place is going to be shutting down here in the near future. I don't know if you can answer this, but I am beyond curious now that you brought it up because I never even thought about it. What is the history of Border Patrol? When did it? I mean, how long has that even been around for? We just had our set of birthday. Oh, God, I'm going to get it wrong. It's May 20. Hang on a second. I'm actually going to look it up because I want to say May 24th. I found it. <laughs> you were close. May 28th. May 28th. May 28th. 1924. So there's where that yeah. went. I said it's not, obviously not the same year, but close around to the same time that I entered on duty into the Border Patrol. Oh, so you, you're not like Captain America and you haven't been fucking alive for 100 years. No, nah, um, but it'd be cool if I was. It would be. <laughs> I would love to be Captain America. Well, I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. Cap has a lot of, you know, cool superhero powers and abilities. A little bit of a rough life. So yeah, you got to take the good with the bad, yeah. I suppose. Well, actually, really, I mean, first part of it was, but then, I mean, he spent, what, 50, 60 years on ice? I mean, really nothing was going on, at least for him. He just woke up and here he was. Yeah. I mean, probably in his mind, he never got a fucking break. Yeah. He was like, damn, didn't I just get done working? Yeah. Fuck, man. Bad dream. So <laughs> I don't know if you know the history, but I mean, what, what did Border Patrol look like in 1924? I mean, was it the same kind of stuff where they're just, you know, kind of catching people crossing the border or was it a little bit different? Yeah. It was catching people entering illegally, mostly on the southwest border and then the northwest border. And also remember, prohibition was a thing. So liquor smugglers, both, like I said, both sides of the uh, border up north and then down here in the south. Uh, you had people running liquor, bringing it north. It was used to be, I think, when some of the, every now and then you come across old advertisements recruiting for the Border Patrol. One of the things they wanted you to be able to have, one of the things they wanted you to have was your own horse. Had to be able, <laughs> had to, be able to ride. And these guys, these guys patrolled miles upon miles. It ain't like today where I know that at the end of the day, I'm going home. These guys would be like, well, hon, I'll see you. I'll see you in a week or whenever long it takes me to get, get to where I'm supposed to be going and then coming back. I read a program, I think it was for the Pony Express, and it was like, 
Yes. Must be able to shoot, you know, must be able to ride a horse nonstop for seven days straight. I'm like, what must the hell? Be an orphan. Yeah. Like what the fuck, man? How did you fucking, you know, you can't, you got a piss from the side of the horses going. They didn't have like Gatorade bottles back then. Yeah. I don't know if I want to try that from a horseback. That could be, that could be problematic. <laughs> be- before we dive into, you know, you're on the Southern border. I want to dive a little bit because I'm beyond fucking curious. The Northern border, does the border patrol exist up there or no? Yeah. You got them there in uh, North Dakota, uh, Washington state, Montana, obviously the Northeast. They've got them there. Um, Michigan, Ohio, um, Vermont, pretty much if, it, if there's if they've got a border with Canada or with Mexico, there's going to be there's going to be a, there's going to be someone there patrolling that area. Maybe not as many as we have on the south on the southern border, but there's going to be someone patrolling the border. Now, does the border patrol take care of like the entry points or is that another organization? No, that is a whole other organization. And I'm glad you brought that up because nothing irritates me more when I get called a customs agent or a border patrol officer customs uh, the office of field operations OFO guys that wear blue uniforms they take care of the ports of entry the international flights at the airports that's them we okay. patrol in between the ports of entry we patrol the border not the port got it <laughs> <laughs> to the guys i mean is there like i don't know is there like a healthy rivalry between the guys on the north border and the south border i mean it's probably not even close to the same job i would assume i mean well the canadians probably aren't causing so many problems coming in i, I don't know how many people are trying to get yeah, into the country through the canadian border not so much canadians it's people from other countries that have gained entry into canada per se either legally or illegally and are then trying to come in and um and obviously there's a lot more there's a lot more border from the tip of wash the i guess that the northwest tip of washington state all the way up to maine so there's a lot more border than there is there is agents so there's still alien smuggling coming across but also um drugs um money so, like I said, they they still have their stuff going on up there. You hear more about the south, the, the southern border, because of the fact of everything that's going on down there. And from down here, we get, let's see, had, um, I've actually encountered someone from South Africa, China, India, anywhere from Mexico down to uh Peru, Venezuela, Colombia. You know, it kind of proves a point, though, that I don't know. There's this narrative amongst some people that, you know, America is this terrible place. But why the fuck do you think all these people are coming here? It's better than than where they came from. Right. Definitely. I mean, and I don't fault people for trying to make a better way for themselves. I really don't. Let's face it. We're a country founded by immigrants. Exactly. And like I said, I don't fault them for it, but there's a legal way to do it. We get hammered on about how cruel we are, kicking people out, we're not letting them in. But even in Mexico, 
they have a criteria that you must meet before they'll allow you to stay there. They want to make sure you're not going to be a burden on their, on their country and on their resources. Why is it any different? Why should it be any different here? Yeah, it's to me, it, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as far as like my belief system. Fucking countries founded on immigrants. I mean, my, I think I'm third generation off the boat on my dad's side. Okay. You know, they yeah. came through Ellis Island and, and all that. So naturally immigration's changed a little bit since, you know, back then. And, and, you know, now it's mostly coming through the Southern border, but I'm with you. I don't, I don't fault people for wanting to come here. Um, here's, here's what fucking cracks me up is people, we want to have like a better way for people to come here, but we've been having the same fucking argument for 20 years. And we like the same fucking people that haven't done shit about it. We want a better way to have people come here. Let's, let's fucking do it. But we don't, we just, everybody kind of pass the buck off to the next person down the line. And it, it's frustrating because, you know, I, I think yeah. if, I have no issue if people want to come here and, you know, be part of this country, let's fucking do it. Come on down. But again, we can't just let anybody in willy nilly, which I, I don't know how there's any argument to that. And when I first started, I would see maybe, I don't know, it was, a, it was a much smaller number of people that had criminal histories outside of immigration violations. Anymore, we seem to be seeing more and more people with significant criminal histories, um, vehicular manslaughter, domestic violence, kitty touchers, drug smugglers, people have had convictions for possession with intent to distribute. I mean, just all kinds of things. We get people with active warrants out of other places. It's like they, they'd been arrested, got released for whatever reason, went back to Mexico or Guatemala or wherever it was they came from, and they try to come back in, they get caught. And then, like I said, it's, it's frustrating. It really is just the fact that you know, this is why we like to screen everyone before they come in. I mean, it seems fucking reasonable to me, but what, what do I know? You know, one of my favorite arrests of all time, I got a dude, I'm pretty sure, I think he's Guatemalan guy, uh, selling dope to some tweakers and he fucking, you know, he admitted (laughs) it in Spanish that he's, you know, a drug dealer and he had all this fucking dope on him. They let him out with like a, you know, $2,000 bond fucking warrant still in the system, man. Like that dude is gone. Oh yeah. He's there's no, there's going to be no justice. That dude is gone. Cause I mean, why wouldn't you like, all right, I'm fucking wanted here. I guess I'll go back. You know? Definitely. I, uh, I did a ride along with a police department that my mom works for. I just wanted to do a ride along, just kind of check it out. We're probably maybe 30, 45 minutes into the ride along. He was like, Hey, stop, get a cup of coffee real quick. It was, uh, it was swing shift. I think late swings, late or early mids. And I'm like, okay, cool. Go and get a cup of coffee and uh, getting ready to leave. Guy pulls out, no headlights, no turn signal, illegal turn. I mean, that whole, come look at me. So follow him, light it up, pulls him over. Guy knows I'm bored. He goes, hey, come here. He goes, Check this out. And it's a fake ID that the guy has. It's one you can buy it at a shop. It's not even like a, a legit looking fake ID. And the guy's here illegally. And 
obviously I have no authority that far in from the border and they can't, conf they can't confirm anything other than what this guy is telling us. And uh, they won't call because it's California. They won't call ICE. They'd already been told not to call ICE. And because they couldn't, conf I think he supposedly had a warrant out of adjacent County, but because they couldn't confirm his, uh, confirm the warrant and love letting them go. That was, that was the end. That was my ride along five, six hours, just dealing with this one clown that had I been within 90 miles of the border, I was like, I can take them off your hands right now. Now I'm curious about the 90 miles thing. Is that for all border people, border people, let's try that again for all border patrol folks. Is that a thing where yeah, they're like, um, Hey, within 90 miles is their jurisdiction. Yeah. Uh, used to be because we don't or we don't do interior enforcement at that point and the fact that i was i was actually on leave i was on vacation doing it so it made it even worse um but yeah it's um i want to say it's 90 miles basically anything after that it becomes ice's problem so they're the ones that hit the jails and uh interview um people that that are visiting the great bar hotel and they'll take care. Of, they'll take care of uh, immigration enforcement in there. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I and just to kind of piggyback on the driver's license thing, you know, I was a cop in Colorado. That was a very common thing. When I say very common, I mean very common thing. People have these IDs that you know are totally bogus, and you have a decision to make. All right, and it, it got a little better with kind of the advent of the fingerprint scanners and stuff like that, but am I going to take this dude to jail, haul him off the jail over, you know, maybe not having a license and, you know, a California stop, you know, if I can reasonably yeah. kind of figure out who he is, it becomes this issue. But, but the bottom line is, is it honestly, like if we took time in all of those types of things, we'd never be on the street because it, oh, it's yeah. so time consuming to figure out who these folks are. And there's a lot of people up in anywhere in the country that, you don't fucking actually know who these people are. It's it's very easy no. to obtain fake IDs. Oh yeah, and like I said, this wasn't this one was far from being anything to even look legit. It was just something you could go into a shop, they take your picture. It's it's it didn't look like a state issued ID. Looked nothing like a state issued ID. Well, and people even get like the fake green cards and shit. I mean, there's so much shit out there and it's so tough to figure out who people are. I would say, depending on what your agency's um, policies are, fucking fingerprint them. I guess yeah. at least you could do. I mean, even a if you of, don't end up booking them, fingerprint that, them. We do that a lot. If we can't determine citizenship, um, we will bring them back into the station and we'll do, we'll do a search only on their fingerprints. And like I said, if, they, if they've... You know, if they've been in our system before, we're obviously going to we're going to know or if they have any kind of immigration history. Well, I, I have a lot of places I want to go, so I guess we'll start here. OK, without giving you giving away too much information, we'll just say that you've been on for three different presidents, right? Mm, pretty much. Yeah. How have things changed since when you started to now? What are some of the big differences that you've seen or, or have there really been any big differences and it's kind of business as usual? Um, as when I came on all, 
all the journeymen, the guys that had, that had been in for a while, uh, talk about apprehending groups of like 30, 40, 50, 60 people at a time. I mean, just huge groups. And by the time I got there, eh, you might get a group of 12, 15, something like that. Kind of cool. Uh, it's like you, maybe one or two other agents. So uh, like I said, it was kind of fun. And then it kind of trickled down. It seemed like there wasn't, it, the numbers had gone down quite a bit. We, uh, we had other agencies that would come in or not other agencies, probably, but other stations come in and work different parts of the Southwest border. It's, it's kind of been the history of the border patrol. We'll do like what we call a surge in one area. So denying that. So they go over to other areas of the Southern border and then we'll go ahead and do another surge over here to the other side and deny that to them so they go somewhere else. And like I said, just constantly deploying that surge. I, I shouldn't say constantly because the last big surge they had was, oh, probably 10 or 12 years ago, somewhere around there. And uh, like I said, it slowed things down for that area. Other places picked up. You look at you look at Texas now, those guys are getting just hammered with the number of people coming in. Um, and it's just, it's, it's overwhelming the system. When a couple of years ago, I mean, we were still busy, but we weren't seeing the numbers like we're seeing now. Um, I mean, it's not uncommon for some of these stations to get a couple hundred, if not a thousand people in a 24 hour time period. It stretches, stretches your resources, stretches your manpower. What's, um? let me ask this. I, I don't know the best way to exactly put it, but on a Southern border, are there stations that are better than others? And what I mean by that, I mean, maybe in a sense for like somebody that doesn't want to get hammered all the time, they're a little slower or maybe even the, the weather and the trains better, or is it pretty much shit everywhere on the Southern border? I don't know. You got, places that are right there on the on the on the coast there of southern california i mean everyone's everyone's busy there's some places that are definitely busier than others everyone kind of everyone tends to find like the little niche in whatever station they go to a lot of times agents don't get much of a choice between what stations they're going to they can get you and you get the call to you know to accept an offer it's like uh, you can have, we're going to send you these choices. You can go to Welton, Arizona, or you can go to Eagle Pass, Texas. I mean, those are like, which one do you want? You know, in some place, you know, at the time, you know, say 15, 20 years ago, let's say, uh, Welton wasn't that busy of a place, but Eagle Pass was just getting hammered and as a young guy you kind of you kind of want to go where the action is anyways so in depending on what station you're at they have a policy of you know clean what you catch so if you get a group of say you get a group of 10 you take them all in the station you get everyone rolled 
12 years ago, that group of 10, let's say two people had been, had been removed previously and one of them had been mm -hmm. removed previously and he was also an aggravated felon, let's say, uh, let's say domestic violence. Okay, so if you had to clean everything, you had to do a expedited removal on everyone who hadn't, didn't have any immigration history. The, the ones that did have a prior removal, you would do a reinstatement of their original um, order of removal. And then that guy that was an ag felon, that right there becomes a prosecution case. That guy's going to go up in front of a judge and more likely going to do time in a federal prison for reentry of an aggravated felon. So if you're doing that yourself, yeah, that's your day. That's, that's going to be a long day. Um, how much, how much has the job changed in the last couple of or last, we'll just say the last decade. Is it, I mean, um, is that process pretty much the same or have it, things changed a little bit? It pretty much stayed like that. And then, well, when COVID happened, uh, we went with title 42, which is, uh, health and human services. So everyone, we weren't processing anyone. We were just expelling them back to that. If, the, if you were from Mexico, you were getting returned to Mexico. It would basically get your fingerprints. Okay, he's not wanted. He's not an ag felon. Go. But then we also had people from, say, Venezuela, um, Peru, Argentina, stuff like that, coming up, Cuba. Those folks are getting what they call a notice to appear. We have WANTA which is a warrant of arrest, notice to appear, and then an ORNTA, own recognizance, notice to appear. So pretty much now, the majority of what we're doing are those notice to appears. Um, and you have family units. It's not just one person. It's mom, dad, all five of their kids, even like, even like the babies, they get a file done on them. We can't obviously you know, can't fingerprint or get a DNA sample from a from a six month old, but they're still getting a file done on them. They have a, what we call a number, which is an alien is an alien number, and they have that that will always be their alien number. That alien number is always going to be their alien number until they become a U.S. citizen. Now let me ask this because there was the the controversy with the holding facilities that was a thing a couple of years ago with the, you know, right. they had the kids in cages and stuff. I, I don't honestly understand how any of that works and it's, we're a couple of years from it. So I don't remember everything with that. Yeah. How so, does someone end up in one of those type of facilities? If we have an unaccompanied juvenile that comes in, we can't do an expedited removal on a juvenile, um, especially an unaccompanied one. So we have to do a notice to appear and we try to find a relative here in the US. We got to get phone number, make contact with them, look up their, get an address. We actually have to verify this actual address. It's not a vacant lot somewhere or like a gas station or something. So it's what was happening. These families were sending these kids north without, without anyone just kind of letting them make the way north. Um, and there was, I mean, there was thousands of them. They, they overwhelmed the system. So 
these holding facilities, these are places that had been around their processing centers. It was back, these things were built back in the day when, this is, I think under Bush, when we had these large numbers and we were processing people around the clock, we had members of the different consulates working there. We had medical staff, we had all that, but it was pretty much get them processed. We'd get like so many together, put them on a bus, take them to the airport, put them on a plane, fly them back to their country. And they'd been there. They hadn't been used because we didn't have, we weren't seeing the numbers back, you know, then or now that we are, that we were then. So they pretty much sat empty and unused for a while, but we were so overwhelmed. Um, the immigration prisons, they were overwhelmed. It'd be like, I don't know how, how big of a population where you live now, but let's say, let's say the county jail only had like a hundred cells or say two people per cell. And they rounded up, ended up rounding up like 500 people. That jail, that jail would be overwhelmed. They'd be at capacity or beyond capacity. So same thing happened to us. We are not equipped to hold people for extended periods of time. It'd be like, we're set up basically like a holding cell at your local PD until you can get them over to county. I gotcha. So, so when you have, like I said, you have that, those numbers, you just can't, you can't keep up. Are those facilities still open now or are those closed up? No, as far as I know, um, like I said, this is what I know. The cages that they were talking about, the, the chain link fences that they built into these buildings, um, those are all pretty much gone now. Um, we have what are they're considered soft-sided facilities. They're basically like large tents. And I got to say, I've been in a few of them. Pretty nice. Air conditioned. They've got they've got laundry services. They've got showers. They've got medical on on. They got medical staff available twenty four seven. They've got uh, not a playground, but like a place like almost like a rec yard type thing for the for the at least for the kids to play. They've got got TVs so the kids can watch cartoons. I mean. They've done they've done much better with it, but then again, you know, we've had a little bit of time to build this stuff up as you know, we we were playing catch up, but now we're now we're we're there for the most part. It's not perfect, but it's it's not kids sitting in inside a chain link fence, you know, twiddling their thumbs. So. so I guess the next controversy is I, I see these videos about like people getting like put on planes and like shipped to, you know, other in the interior of the country. I don't um, know. Is that like a true thing or is that like something somebody, you know, whipped up or because my assumption is when people come here, you just you guys catch them, you send them back. Right. It, with certain exceptions. Well, that that's what the case was. But now pretty much anyone that's that's going elsewhere in the country let's say um you get a family of five peruvians per se let's say they were caught 
in Yuma because that's that's where all that's where all the action is right now. That in Del Rio, um, they're going to get they're all going to get their notice to appear. They have given a they've given the name and phone number of a family member in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Not exactly smack dab in the middle, but not close to the border. So we've verified that address. We've talked to them. They know these people are coming. They're like, okay. Um, we make arrangements through an automated system. We can set up court dates for them with an immigration judge in Atlanta, Georgia. And so they will be transported, whether they go by bus, whether they go by plane, that gets taken care of after we've processed them. But yeah, I mean, it's happening. I mean, they're being relocated what? to another to another state. <laughs> so it just just so I fully understand it, so everybody else fully understands it. When you say a court date, it's because these people are saying like they seek asylum type thing, or no, why are they getting a court date instead well, of just being sent them, back? Some of them might be what they call credible fear or political asylum. Um, but like I said, the notice to appears, and we're doing that with without giving away too much information, certain countries are going to be are going to be given that notice to appear versus to being returned to Mexico. And it, it's going to depend on what country they're from. Um, like I said, most of them are claiming credible fear, whether it be, like I said, political asylum, uh, religious persecution. One of the things now is also uh, gangs. Uh, or criminal organizations, those people, like I said, any of them, whether it's a credible fear or a notice to appear, they are going to go, go before an immigration judge and they're going to plead their case to the judge, just like you wouldn't say in a criminal court. You're going to plead your case to the judge. They're going to have a, they're going to have an immigration attorney um, helping them plead their case. And based on the information, the judge is going to say yay or nay. Um, if they say nay, they're supposed to go ahead and leave the country. They might give them the option of like, okay, you're going to have to leave by this date. Um, some people try, trying to get, get to stay here, especially the ones who have a criminal history. ICE is probably going to remand them into custody and make sure they, they go, go to wherever they need to go outside of the U.S. Like I said, and all this happens, like I said, long after, long after we've done our processing. Um, the except the only time we really have anything else to do with someone after we've processed them is if we're sending them to court for like if they're an ag felon or if uh, they've they're going to they're going to court because of their their illegal reentry. Let me ask this: so, if I wanted, if I was a Mexican citizen. Or let's okay. say I was a citizen of any other country okay. and I, I wanted to be a U.S. citizen. Could I walk up to one of the, you know, the, the typical, you know, the customs areas? Yeah. How, um, how, how does you, how would you start that process? Cause I'm curious if you even know how that works and how it. So remember, I have a really basic understanding of that because that's just not something we do. Usually is what you're going to do. You're going to go to, uh, a U.S. consulate or embassy and apply for admission into the United States. 
for the per intents and purposes uh, or purpose of coming here to live and work, you know, become a, a lawfully admitted alien. Okay, so you go through that process and they will determine, the State Department determines that, who they're going to let in. A lot of times, you know, they look at, they look at your ability to work and not be a financial burden on the government. Again, almost like back to like the days of Ellis Island. Um, I don't know if they require a sponsor or not. Back in the day, that's how it used to be. You need to have a sponsor, a family member or a friend sponsor you to come into the country. But you had to be able to prove, though, that you weren't going to become a financial burden to the, uh, to the country. But that right there is where it starts. They go into the into the consulate of the U.S. Embassy, and they seek, they'll try to seek admission that way. Um, I just Googled it. I think you can fill out something online, too. You probably can, but I know it used to be you had to go in and talk to them. Like I said, they're going to want to do a face-to-face with you regardless. You can fill out the paperwork online, possibly, but they are going to want to talk to you. I'd be super curious how long that process takes. I have heard people say that it takes a while. How much, how long, I don't know. Um, a lot of times I think it's easier to try to cross illegally and just get in and maybe try to figure out how to do things from there. And I don't know what the cost is. I know it does cost money to do it. And they also figure that it's cheaper to pay a smuggler to help get them across. Interesting. I've heard different people say they've paid different prices to, to be guided across the border and to wherever their final destination may be. Beyond, I mean, obviously the human smuggling and and the human element is a thing, but I know another big issue that you're seeing too is is dope coming across the border, right? Yeah. um, So before they legalized marijuana in most of the states, um, you would see, you would see hundreds of pounds of marijuana. you could have a group of, say, 10 packers or mules with like a 50-pound bundle of marijuana on their back. Like I said, first couple times, that was always real fun, you know. But then there's all the paperwork involved with it afterwards. You got to inventory it. You got to weigh it. You got to write your reports. Um, now it's, it's meth, fentanyl, heroin. That's what we're seeing the majority of now. Um, the exception of Texas. Texas is still seeing lots of marijuana because it's still illegal in Texas. Man, I, my soundboard is letting me down. I was gonna, I was gonna do a pot sound of somebody token up, and then, uh, <laughs> and now I'm looking for Jesse. Let's cook, you know, with the meth stuff. But uh, how is Jesse? Let's cook. Not a fucking sound disappointing uh just fine jesse thanks walter yeah i i noticed from what i was told is pretty much everything's coming from the southern border nobody's really producing in the united states anymore no i mean they have they have access to all the chemicals to make that stuff um i don't know i mean meth i mean you can pretty much make it in your pants if you want but fentanyl I don't know if they're getting it already produced from China or wherever, but they're getting it and they're bringing it, you know, they get it on the cheap and they can make 
I mean, they can make all kinds of money of it. They just had one out in San Diego, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but I want to say it was like 2.5 million or 3.5 million worth of meth and fentanyl. Yeah, I... Yeah, it's fucking crystal clear shit, man. I remember when I started, it was, you know, kind of foggy and, and man, like when I, by the time I ended, it's just fucking, the meth is just fucking crystal clear, fucking ice looking shit. The fentanyl yeah. stuff was starting kind of as I left. So I don't have a ton of actually oh, experience with it at all. Oh, and fentanyl's been around for quite a while. I mean, in the military, we used to have, call them, um, we used to have, fentanyl lozenges or like lollipops you'd give to the guys who are wounded out in the field and again though because it's fentanyl and they're sucking on this thing wouldn't be too hard for someone to overdose on it and so we'd actually just like tape it to their finger and put it in their mouth once they got enough and they passed out nine out of ten times the finger would pop out of their mouth and take the uh, fentanyl fentanyl lollipop with it but yeah, I mean, I'm more worried about fentanyl than I am about meth. Yeah, there seems it. to be some, I don't know. The fentanyl thing's interesting because I don't know if you remember there was that young deputy, I think, somewhere out in California where he he touched it and he passed out and yeah. the internet exploded because half the internet, the cop pages anyway, was like, that guy's like had a panic attack. It's not real. And then every, the other half was like, no, you motherfuckers. And I'd be really interested to know what it actually is. What somebody explained to me, and I'm not a fucking doctor, and this is like a trust me bro moment, is like the fentanyl that you would get on a prescription is a hell of a lot safer than the fucking shit you'd find on the street. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that's kind of the way, I I mean, if I come across it, I'm going to be careful. It's more controlled because when you get fentanyl from a doctor, it's usually like a fentanyl patch, like a pain patch. So it's like this minuscule piece that's mixed within this other stuff, I don't know what it is, something that, that you're going to absorb through your skin, but it, it's over a period of time, almost like a, probably a really bad analogy, but like a nicotine patch. What is the connection with human smuggling and the drug element? I mean, is it, is that type of stuff going, going on at the same time within this, like are smugglers bringing over dope and people, or is it usually a separate deal? A lot of times um, we would get, it was like, okay, look, you carry this across for us, you know, that takes carry your, your fee for us smuggling you or guiding you across. Um, and then for a while we had guys that that was their whole job. They would haul it in, they would bring it in across the border, get to wherever the drop-off point was, deliver it, they'd get their money, and then they'd go back south, um, and just walk south through the port of entry. What about beyond like human smuggling as far as putting people over what about sex trafficking is there a lot of that at the southern border um yeah sex trafficking i mean is i mean it's everywhere you don't even have to leave the country for it to be sex trafficking um we well i say when i say we i haven't seen it where i'm at is it a possibility that could be that it could happen very much so um bringing kids basically across to be used in in brothels you know illegal brothels up here in the states i mean not to say it couldn't be done but like i said fortunately i haven't encountered that 
so to, to kind of bring this all full circle, like the typical day of a border patrol agent, and I'm sure there's a bunch of different jobs within the border patrol, but oh, yeah. say you're on foot and you, you know, you, you contact somebody walking across the border. Is there a, is there ever a circumstance where you would just be like, Hey, just fucking turn around and go back. Or are you detaining everyone and you basically take them, you fingerprint them. And then from there, kind of, there's the uh, multiple doors they could go through depending on, you know, who they are and, and all that. Yeah, Usually um, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of cameras that are up that looked at the border. We have underground sensors to kind of let us know there's activity in this area. Cameras know where to look. Like, hey, uh, this sensor um, went off. Okay, look over there. Yeah, hey, man, you know, we got a couple people over here walking around. Um, you know, you want to, can't tell if, you know, if it's local traffic, because if you live close to a town or, you know, whether it might be state park, national forest, wherever the case may be, you know, they like they like those areas for uh, for illegal uh, traffic, but it could also be just hell. It could be hunters, you know what I mean, depending on the time of year. So you know, I can't tell with the camera. Like you go over, take a look. So you go over, take a look. Make contact with them. Um, you know, Hunter's like, oh, yeah, I'm just out here. Um, I'm getting ready for, for bow season next week, so I'm just kind of scouting around. Okay. Then anymore, pretty much everyone is wearing, the illegals coming across, everyone's wearing camouflage from head to toe. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's actually kind of, I give, you got to give credit where credit's due. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, and sometimes, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, Especially when everything greens up, you know, with the rain and everything, grass gets super tall. I mean, you can walk right by them and not see them. But like I said, their you know, your their demeanor when you approach them, uh, just like on the street for uh, for city cops, you're talking to someone. You know, you're not just talking to them because trying to pass the time of day. Something's off, so you're gonna go over, and make contact, and you know start a little investigating and they can, you know, I'm in uniform. You have by policy, identify yourself, um, you know, start talking to them, start getting information. So where are you from? You know, do you have, do you have a visa? Do you have a passport? Do you have any documents that allows you to be here? Then a lot of the times, I mean, they're just going to run. <laughs> so like i said the chance of just coming up and encountering someone just as they come across in town maybe but usually they, they've gotten they've gotten a couple hundred couple hundred yards or so in, into the country by the time we see them so i guess that my next question was going to be you know what's the level of cooperation i mean do people just kind of like all right you caught me or it's usually they're they're fucking gone. It depends. You get some that that are just real cooperative, like, hey, yeah, you know, you caught me, okay. Um, you got others that are that are like, you know, it's race day. And I mean, there's guys probably probably half my age or younger, and and they are they're like they're track stars. It's the fastest kid alive. 
Oh man. It, it now, said, what, what level of force are you allowed to use to well, stop somebody again, from running? Well, I mean, what do you do? I mean, really, I mean, if they're going to run, you have to chase after them. Now, granted, if you already got, you know, if it's a group of four or five people, even two people, you've got one of them in handcuffs and the other one takes off running. Your, your choices are you, you call and see if someone else can get can get can grab this guy or you drag the other guy you've gotten. Oh, be quiet. Sorry. No, I'm you're all right. <laughs> At least you don't have a baby on your lap. No, close. She's eight weeks. <laughs> but uh, I mean, either that or you, you drag the other person with you. And obviously they weren't that fast or else you wouldn't have caught them. <laughs> right so i mean and again you know you talk about level of force so it's you talk about reading your policy and your court law when you look at your gram factors you know what's the severity of the crime immigration okay not a big deal you know it's not you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do like an elbow drop to get this guy to comply or anything it's you know, you're going to yell at him to stop. You're going to keep chasing him, of course, if you can. But, you know, it's just, it goes from there. You know, are they going to stand and make a fight? Are they going to start throwing rocks at you? You know, are they going to, they're going to kick you? They're going to just flail the arm around trying not to get their, uh, get cuffed up. I mean, again, you just, you escalate based on their level of resistance. Well, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I would assume, you know, you're in the United States. Graham v. Connors pretty much applies to you guys too. You don't have any special mm-hmm. rules. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have I mean, we follow all the same, you know, as far as use of force and stuff like that. We follow all the same rules that that Joe Schmo and small town USA are supposed to follow. I am the law. Okay. <laughs> uh, um that that gets me kind of curious. Beyond immigration stuff, are there any common laws broken that you guys enforce or no? Pretty much all your Title 18, which would be criminal, uh, robbery, kidnapping, mm-hmm. uh, assault. Pretty much if it's a if it's a federal law or like 18 USC, we're gonna be able to enforce it. Um, you get into you get into narcotics and um some custom stuff we have to get cross certification to to do that the um stuff that we don't we don't do we said we don't do speeding tickets we don't do we don't do duis um we don't do traffic violations um we're not going to um i'm trying to think yeah, if I see someone driving down the road not wearing the seatbelt, I'm not pulling them over. Now, now let me throw a hypo- hypothetical. So you're you're on patrol near the border, right? You, some, you see someone driving, and and I assume you don't have the the proper training. But you see somebody driving, and you're like, this guy is fucking drunk. Would you stop them and then you know call in you know troopers or deputies or how would yeah. you handle that? So, depending on what state you are. Um, some states do not recognize uh, federal agents or officers as sworn law enforcement. Um, so it becomes 
um, uh, crap, not a uh, citizen, uh, citizen's arrest. And you can do that. I mean, it's, it's going to be up to the individual. Do you, uh, do you have the potential to open yourself up for litigation by doing that? Um, I mean, it's, it's going to fall, it's going to fall on that, on that agent. Um, I've actually done it before. Uh, I encountered a guy who was like, this, he was just hammered. There was no, there was no denying it. A little two lane road. It was up and up and downhill windy. And he was just everywhere. And I, uh, I made, I made the decision. I got, I've got to pull this guy over. Um, as I'm making that decision, I'm already calling my, my dispatch and telling him to get, get the local agency to meet me, you know, tell him where I'm at. And, uh, like I said, I made the decision. I would worst case scenario. I was wrong. And I inconvenienced him for a few minutes on his way home from, as a matter of fact, this guy had a truck bed full of uh, firewood he'd been cutting. It looks like he'd also been cutting some fire water too. And hey, hey, I got the local PD there. Um, when I made my stop, I asked him, I was like, hey, sir, everything okay? I'm like, no, you having a medical emergency? Because also as an EMT, I can, you know, I can try to help out with that. So I was looking maybe, maybe diabetic. Um, and talking to him, PD shows up and they all knew him because he used to, I guess he'd been a local judge at one time. And they say, well, yeah, if you'd stopped him like 50 feet back this way, you, uh, we could have done a, we could have done field sobriety tests on him, but because of where you, where you stopped him at, we, uh, we're going to have to let him go. So they had a buddy come, come take his truck and his wife drove him home. So mm, I love scotch. Good for him. Everyone I mean, makes good for him. Yeah. Well, everyone does dumb stuff. Lord knows I was doing plenty of dumb stuff when I was much younger, but this guy was at least as old as I, as I was at the time. And well, here's the thing. You can get a portable PBT on Amazon for 40, 50 bucks. Just fucking put it in your car. Then you'll know. And yeah. you won't ever get a DUI. Best 40 right. or 50 bucks you'll ever fucking spend. Although hey, I'm sure these on Uber. are not scientific. Yeah, spend it on fucking Uber. I don't know. That, that's we, that's a pet peeve of me, man. Don't yeah. of me, of mine. Don't fucking drive drunk. So yeah. but you kind of we kind of segued a little bit into something I wanted to ask, and it was one of the Instagram questions. What are the relationships with the local jurisdictions? Because you mentioned earlier you back some of these people, these folks up. Yeah. They I mean, you can have good relations with them. Uh, you know, sometimes we have great relations with them. Sometimes not so much. Um, might be a little animosity. You are a you got, smelly pirate hooker. No, you got guys that, you know, that whole, uh, that whole do me a courtesy thing. So you get guys that maybe speed or something like that. And they're hoping to, to get let off the hook because, you know, can I help, you know, well, you know, help a, a fellow Leo out here. And I'm like, you know, I don't agree with it. I don't. And I've been pulled over a few times and I have kept 
kept my mouth shut about law enforcement until after I either got a warning or I got a citation. But on the other hand, if you know one, you know that guy lets you off from the speeding ticket, but yet you see him putting four or five illegals in the back of his vehicle, what you know? What are you going to do? You're going to just cut him a break? You know, if, it doesn't just. You got that, and then you've got you've got some you've got some agents that are just assholes, and they just think they're better than the local guys because they're federal. And uh, let me ask you this: I mean, speaking of being better than the, the local guys, I assume being feds, you guys get paid pretty well, or no? We, you know, uh, get pretty paid, or get yeah, we get paid pretty damn well. Um, I. Uh, when I came on, my wife and I were both working full time. Plus, I was in the reserves, and we were just getting by. Um, I took this job, and we did better in just getting by. My wife didn't. My wife didn't have to work unless she wanted to work. I I could only assume, but I assume most places along the border probably not very expensive to live. Um, it depends on where you're. Again, it depends on where you're at. I mean. Most most agents tend not to, depending on where you're at, they tend not to live where they work at. Um, you don't want to live in a border town in a lot of places, kind of like shitting where you sleep. Yeah, I generally don't shit where I sleep unless uh, I have a little accident at night. <laughs> that may be your clue on how hammered I am, by the way. Did you shit your pants again? Not, not yet. Not okay. yet. The night is still young, though. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I live far enough away that when I leave work, I'm leaving work. There's no – I'm not encountering work at my house or near my house. So, I mean this – is, This is cheating a little bit, but we'll okay. get, one of the Instagram questions was, would you recommend the job? to people that are thinking about maybe going that avenue of law enforcement is it would you recommend border patrol believe it or not even with everything that's gone on in the last couple of years and for as long as i've been i wake up every day still look forward to going to work i don't but, believe you no i really do it's um granted every you know everyone at one point i was like man god, god i don't want to go to work today i just i need a break you know but honestly, there's it's very rare that I wake up and just like, oh God, I'm just gonna bang in today. I'm I'm not, I'm not coming in. I'm just I look forward to it. I'm there's always something going on. It seems like it's very rare that I've had a day where I've not had something going on where you're just busy. Um, whether it's chasing guys, you know, for half the shift. Um, if not the whole shift, you know, you don't always come up, you know, you don't always catch him. You know, you may have to turn it over to another shift, but it's, like I said, it's just, it's fun. I, I get, I get paid well to go play hide and go seek with, with complete strangers. It's just, it's a, I enjoy the job. I really do. Um, I could care less about the politics. Unfortunately, our job has become very political over the last, 10, 12 years or so, um, more so than it ever used to be. 
but if I can just leave politics out of it, and for the most part I do, I mean, I'd be lying if I said someone doesn't put something in that just or announces we're going to start doing something that just seems like absolute bullshit. And, you know, you know, it's political in nature, but you can't go anywhere without experiencing some kind of political influence. Other no, than, that's a fair assessment. I'll, I'll give you that. How, how's morale down there? You know, guys are, you know, guys are feeling the, are feeling the pain. It's, uh, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting stretched thin. We're covering, you know, we got guys from different stations, um, being sent to other, uh, locations to help out, um, with like the big surges in, in Yuma or Del Rio. But I mean, I think overall, they're not happy with the situation, but they're trying to make the most of it. You know what I mean? And yeah, guys that, that are just, there's guys that would, that would complain if, if they were given, if they were given a, a bonus, regardless, and there's guys that they're just, they're happy to have a job. And for the most part, they really, really enjoy the work. Are people still applying to the border patrol like they used to, or is it hard to get people to come on down there? Um, I think our biggest problem right now is, is so they do, they've required polygraphs now for about 10 years, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, and people seem to be having a hard time passing the polygraph. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Yeah, I stabbed a man in the heart. I saw that. Brick killed a guy. Might what not want to admit that on I'm sorry everyone, I'm ruining this podcast with the uh anchorman <laughs> soundboard, but here we are. It's the uh it's the fucking cookie dough, man. It's not my fault. Yeah, I don't know, man. I to me it sounds like a good gig, but I would just, you know, with everything going on, it, it's kind of yeah. Uh, I don't know. And then I, I, my perception and, you know, I don't want to put you on a spot or anything, but the whole thing with the, the whipping, it ends up being like total fucking bullshit. They didn't whip anybody, but then they, to me, like they concocted some reason to get these guys in trouble. And it's like, they, that's, that was the whole thing with law enforcement to begin with is you have people stepping up and saying things are wrong without actually knowing what happened. Nobody got fucking whipped. The whole thing was a lie. That's still ongoing, my opinion, and what, four and a half bucks will buy you a cup of coffee now. And I can't really speak on it because, I one, I wasn't there when it happened. And just like everyone else, I'm getting everything secondhand. Yeah, they come out and said that there was no whipping involved. Um, there's been a few statements made, and it's still about as clear as mud as to what's going on with these guys. And I know, I mean, they're probably sweating it. They're trying to figure out what, you know, what's going to happen to them if, some, you know, if they get busted for it for, and again, I don't even know what, what policies or uh, what policies they violated. They were doing what they were trained to do is my understanding. So, I mean, without being, Without having any more information than what everyone else is getting, I really can't say what's going on with it, at least not with any authority or knowledge.
I'm beyond disappointed that I can't just find a button for a whip sound, which is probably inappropriate. Very disappointing. Again, that, that kind of speaks to everything else going on law enforcement is I feel like there's been several situations where guys did what they've been trained to do. Uh, obviously, yeah. some not, but some where guys just did what they were supposed to do and what they were trained to do. And the department goes, oh, no, fuck, we don't do that. And it's and, stop doing that shit. Just explain well, to the public what actually is going on and stop fucking gaslighting. them. And well, again, you know, the whole judging people with 2020 hindsight supposedly we're not supposed to be able to do that when we start looking look at anything that someone does as far as use of force but it, it happens and it's easier to it's easier to monday morning quarterback someone than knowing without knowing anything than it is being there in the moment absolutely do, to kind of jump back to a prior theme and I wanted to talk a little about a, just a little bit to help me understand it. So it seems like there are probably circumstances where the Border Patrol, based on their training, experience, expertise, will jump in to help with, you know, things going on in cities. And I assume just because yeah. you guys have the strength in numbers. So you look at the, the Texas school shooting thing. And one of the things that I found was kind of interesting is, I guess the school had an alarm set up whenever border patrol was set, was chasing somebody and somebody ran out. Apparently that town's very close to the border. Is that something very common where schools are put on lockdown because you guys are chasing somebody? Yeah. A lot of your local schools close to the border. I can't say for every place, but a large majority of them will do lockdown drills just in case um, because a vehicle pursuit you may think it's a vehicle pursuit just because it's alien smuggling or maybe it's um, drug smuggling, but things can escalate quickly. All it takes is well, a dumbass behind the wheel to begin with is going to do everything they can to keep from being apprehended. Um, whether it's driving in through a school, through a schoolyard, um, start popping shots at, at anyone around them trying to get people to try to get people to back off. I mean, it's, it's not uncommon where I'm at where, where the schools have lockdown drills. But will they and, actually, will they actually lock down when you guys are actually in the area looking for people? Um, I have not seen it happen for us. Um, I said, we're out and about around a lot of these schools. Anyways, we're not on the school grounds and, if it looks, I think, if it looks like it's something that could go that way, well, more than likely, I'm, I'm assuming, because like I said, it's not something I've ever experienced. Um, it'd be a matter of the, it's going to be up to the school to, to initiate that lockdown or possibly um, local, local law enforcement telling the school, hey, they've got something going on over there. They might lock it down. Interesting, because from my experience, generally, if we had a situation near a school, the line officers, and again, I I had the the privilege of working in a a bigger city, so we had a lot of resources. Right. If there was something going on near a school, usually a supervisor or even dispatch would have taken it upon themselves, like, hey, I'm going to fucking call the school or, hey, dispatch, call the school, put them on lockdown. We're looking for this guy near the school. And yeah. as a line officer, it's not something I worried about. So 
or I mean, I worried about if, you know what I'm saying? But I, generally somebody else was there to kind of right. worry about my job and somebody else could take care of that part of it for me. Yeah. And that was what well, I, I found interesting about this Texas thing is it sounded like they had a lot of quote unquote false alarms because they do lockdowns all the fucking time because of immigration stuff or, you know, border patrols out yeah. doing stuff near the school. And that's something I read in one of these reports was like, well, they didn't initially take it seriously because they thought it was just another border patrol issue. So I was just looking yeah. for just kind of some information on that, if that's a thing. Yeah, that I hadn't, I hadn't, honestly, I haven't read a whole lot about, about stuff since then. What I have read is that there was a lot of mistakes made by a lot of people, that whole situation. Um, that whole call, everything that could have went wrong and every mistake that could have been made was, uh, I can't. Yeah. I, I don't want to get too far into it. And I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about how, you know, if, if what I'm going to do as far as, as breaking that down, but I, I, I made a meme a couple days after it happened because people were kind of jumping to conclusions on that. And my whole thing was, well, let's wait until we know more. And a lot of people that took it as like, well, you're just making excuses and it could be a hell of a lot worse than we think it is, or it could be better, but it, as every piece of information came out, there's just, it was completely fucked, but that, that was just a, a small piece of the puzzle that I was a little curious about. And the other part of that, that is kind of related it, there was, it sounds like there was a border patrol SWAT team or tactical team that came in and, and actually entered the classroom and took out the shit bag. So my question to you, cause I was kind of, I was kind of ignorant to the fact that why would Border Patrol have a SWAT team? What kind of stuff would a Border Patrol SWAT team be involved in? High-risk warrant. So you guys uh, serve warrants? Yeah. Really? Yeah. We serve warrants. Um, so I guess we have that. And there's been a few times where the cartels have made, have made threats and stuff like that about, you know, shooting a Border Patrol agent. So our BORTAC is what they're called. They've deployed to to areas and basically set up like counter sniper positions um, in case there's they or maybe there's a an armed threat out somewhere outside of town out in the on the on the mountains. So they'll send uh they'll send bor uh, out for that. Interesting. Yeah, I I found that interesting because I never thought anything about it. I just figured. I thought Border Patrol was essentially you got a ton of fucking guys and gals basically on horseback and cars and on foot patrolling no, no, the border, no. but there's we, a lot more to it. We've got that. We've also got Boar Star, which is our border search and rescue teams. Um, so you've got some you've pretty much all of them, I believe, are EMTs. You got a few of them that are paramedics. Um, and then they'll go out, they'll do um, a lot of like a lot of rescues uh hikers in distress illegals that have maybe uh broken limb gunshot wounds uh dehydration some kind of other medical or uh medical emergency we have up north you've got guys on snowmobiles uh we've got boat patrol units on the rio grande uh and up north we've got all-terrain vehicles we have horses we have uh plainclothes units 
we we've got a little bit of everything. We've got an intelligence section. They said Border Patrol does a little bit of everything. You know, and that's just my own ignorance speaking. I just assumed you guys were just beating the shit out of people that are just trying to come into the country and better their lives, and you are just the oppressors. But it turns out you're much more than that. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not the asshole everyone says I am. You know what? But you're a good guy, and I don't care what anybody says about you. Neither does your mom. <laughs> Dorothy Mantooth <laughs> is a saint. Again, I, I was looking for that soundboard, but that's not on there, too. What the fuck, man? You'd think some of this stuff would just be fucking common. Buddy, are you ready to answer some uh, questions from the DGens on Instagram? Let's do it. I, I was actually going to ask this earlier, but they did it for me. What is the craziest thing you've seen or heard? There was the vehicle to checkpoint. Uh, they got popped for they got popped for having meth in the vehicle or searching through everything and found this big old double-ended dildo and then on one of their phones with the accompanying video that it was used in that was interesting um oh yeah that's another one the porn music i i got it in again that's what she said no, she didn't. <laughs> no, 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 one and done. 30 second madness. Um, you know, interrupting people have having sex out in the out in the middle of nowhere happens a lot. Someone I mean, dropped... let's be honest, the best place to have sex is the middle of nowhere. Well, if it was the middle of nowhere, you wouldn't have been interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. This guy has no questions. He just likes the uniform. Do you like your uniform? I assume. Are those uniforms fucking hot on the border? Or are they okay? Are they breathable? Can you breathe in them? The ones we got now, they're they're pretty. The loose uniform shirts, the majority of them, they're they're pretty thick. I mean, they're they're durable to keep up with with the cat claw and the briars and stuff like that. Like um, thick with three C's, thick, like thick. Nah, maybe two. Okay. What the fuck's a cat claw, by the way? I don't know. I know what corn and soybean yeah. are, but I don't know what a cat claw is. Okay. Uh, cat claw is, they're these bushes with like thorns on them. And they're like cat claw, they kind of hook into you. Um, you've got cactus, you've got mesquite, everything. Pretty much, pretty much everything's, everything's, everything's got a sticker or, or got a, got a, it's either going to stab you or bite you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This, the substance, it's warm, but I mean, if you go with anything too light, it's going to get shredded once you start going through the brush, really. Um, I probably go through five or six pairs of pants a year. That's not that, bad. I mean, I go through that many a year because I shit my pants, so not a big deal. Uh, I just do it because I end up. It's one of the points of contention with the pants that we have now. We've changed pants twice now since I've been in, and the crotch never lasts long. It's the first thing. It's the first thing to rip, dude. It really is for us. It's usually because of crossing barbed wire fences. You always, you always manage. No matter how hard you try, you end up getting caught by one of those. So not because being fat. 
No. Well, we've got some of those too, but that makes me feel better. Um, I actually one of the funniest fucking things I've ever heard of on this page. It was a guy sent me a message about crossing over barbed wire and getting his dong cut on the bob wire or barbed wire. Now, funny for me, but to think about it, it physically pains me. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I guess it's possible. You know, you get let, let the tension off that, that wire too soon. It's going to snap up and bite you. Yeah, barbed wire scares the shit out of me. You know, I, I worry about our deputies out here. You know, I in the, being a city cop, I never had to worry about barbed wire. Yeah, but you got those chain link fences where they got where like the ends are twisted together. Yeah, those can those can those will grab so a nut sack. You got or two, twenty you know? of those two. Those right there will get you. Yeah, that's true. The next question I had here, it, and I'll, I guess I'll just paraphrase because it was kind of cut off, but I think I know what they're saying. Have you heard of border patrol guys looking the other way when it comes to smuggling or like being on the take or anything like that? It happens. We have a, uh, and every agency hat has them. You know, um, there's there's been a few. Um, they're they're not agents anymore. Uh, they've they've been fired. They went to court. And they're they're doing time. I mean, it, unfortunately, it. There's always, there's always, there's always a couple and they're the ones that make everyone else look bad. No matter how good of a job you do, everyone's going to remember that, that one piece of shit that did something that just made everyone else look bad. Fucking bad apples, man. Not even bad apples. You're just pieces of shit. Yeah. They're the piece of shit that grows from the apple tree. I like that. Let's stop calling them bad apples. Let's fucking call them what they are. They're fucking pieces of shit. You what know, do you think the, the biggest spade spade? Yeah, exactly. What do you think the biggest misconception of the job is compared to what you see about Border Patrol on TV or social media? Uh, I think you said it earlier. You know, we're just we're just a bunch of assholes just suppressing human rights and denying people an opportunity to make a better way for themselves. We're not, I mean, we encounter, we encounter people that have gone days without food or water. I mean, temperatures are triple digits. I have, I've literally given up my entire lunch to a family and all the water I had and we said we have water for them, but it sits in the vehicle. It's not exactly cold. I mean, I've given up my cold water. I, when the kids in cages thing happened, there was agents that, out of their own pocket, bought coloring books, crayons, bought clothing for the kids. Um, just you know, just stuff like that. You know, you'll see us. We'll be on the side of the road helping someone with a flat tire. We're we're humans. We're just like everyone else. We have a job to do. We're going to do our job, but we're not inhuman. We care about our fellow mm-hmm. man just as much as anyone else does. I I was going to come up with some smart ass thing, but I uh, it just gets old, right? Like all <laughs> cops are you know a cab, right? Like all border oh. patrol agents oh, are yeah. out, you know no, like murdering no, babies. We're, and... we're, we're all racist. Yeah, you're um, all racist. 
this there's a couple kids that are up by the fence and want to come and start asking questions. And they're like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And I was like, no. Well, he was shot and killed by Border Patrol agent. And I was like, okay. So I start mentioning agents that were killed in the line of duty. And most usually different ones that have been killed by smugglers or what have you. And of course, you know, they don't know any of their names. So it was like, so what's your point? Okay, we even know I, how that I works. I didn't know I didn't know this person. So what's you know, what's the big deal? I don't know everyone that, that has died crossing the border. It sucks. Don't get me wrong, it sucks. But the vast majority of people that they talk about dying are people that have done something that required us to react to what they were doing. And my number one mission every night or every day is to make sure I go home and I will do what I have to do to ensure that I come home safely. As you should. And I hope every yeah. potential new cop or old cop listening to the podcast, that is your fucking job is to go home. Yeah. That's, ex- that's exactly what my job is. I've got, I've got a wife to come home to. I've got three kids to come home to that. Like I said, that is my number one job. I told my wife, I may be late coming home, but I will always come home. How often are you running across the cartel or can you even tell? Uh, I mean, like legit like cartel members, probably not. Probably couldn't tell. Um, like I said, these these guys that they've got working for them, um, these, these minor minor players, you know, we encounter them all the time. And like I said, they're, they're of inconsequence. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the gangs here. You got, you got the little kids like playing lookout and, and stuff like that. They're of, they're of minor consequence. I mean, it's just, you're annoying more than anything else. I'd assume you know? the major players aren't fucking. Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not going to see, you're not going to see lieutenants out there bringing people across. Um, a lot of times they're gonna they recruit um they recruit a lot of juveniles to do the uh to do the guiding. Um, are are the because, cartels responsible a lot for the the human smuggling, or is it just people kind of wanting to make a quick buck? Or who who are the people that I, what's the term like the coyote that takes people across? Yeah, because, like people? I said, the coyotes, like I said, they're they're an organization. Whether they're part of a, a larger group like one of the cartels. Um, or which cartel? I said, you know, it's just like everywhere else. Everyone answers to someone else, and it it makes its way up up the chain. Um, yeah, I mean, they're the ones they're the ones that you know pick the price. Um, and I can't confirm because I, well, everyone everyone will say what they think you want to hear, and I've heard. People say they're paying five thousand dollars, ten thousand um, dollars. Obviously, they don't have that on hand, so they're, they're going to have to come up here and they're going to end up working on it, working it off. Um, but I mean, yeah, the the cartels are ultimately responsible for the for the for the smuggling. Um, it's a it's a money making racket, just like drugs. I mean, as long as they can make a, as long as they can turn a buck doing it, and 
really, if you think about it, it's a it's of little risk to them because they're not the ones actually moving moving those bodies or that or that uh, or those drugs across themselves to letting other people do it. So they're gonna they're gonna make money doing it. Have you accidentally jumped the border? No. Are there border patrol agents from Mexico on the other side? I assume not. Is there a Mexican border patrol? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have. Uh, they used to have the uh, the Mexican military used to do it, and then uh, the state police. They uh, they would enforce a lot of that. And a lot of times like we do part, I can't say we partner with them, but we would utilize them if we need them to let's say you've got an area where there's lots of people getting ready to make their way north, call to the south side and ask them to, uh, to come in the area and clear them out. And they're pretty good about doing that. So there's a lot, there's a lot of cooperation with those guys. Huh? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we, we try to work with them, uh, you know, as best we can. Like, you know, you'll hear every now and then about us turning over someone we caught that was wanted in Mexico. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of international cooperation. It's there. You don't hear, might not hear about it as often, but I mean, we do kind of help each other out in, in little ways where we can, you know, we're not like, going over there and, and helping them out and vice versa. Um, we do send teams into Mexico to help train uh, different uh, law enforcement agencies as far as like stuff we do for immigration. This isn't an Instagram question, but a me question. Okay. Obviously you see, you know, what's on the news media and what's, what it's called is there's a crisis at the border. Yeah. Is it, is it being accurately portrayed? I mean, or is it worse or better? It's being talked about, but I don't think it's getting. I don't think it's. I don't think the full story is getting out. What's the full story? Well, let me, maybe that's a bad choice of words. Um, I think. I mean, they put it out there, but it doesn't sound. It doesn't doesn't sound as bad as what it really is. I mean, it's a problem, obviously. But, I mean, you see, depending on what news you watch, we'll talk about it. I mean, our numbers, we're, we've broken records for like the last several months as far as numbers of uh, encounters. Um, as like I said, we're, we're, we're being stretched very, very thin because, again, we're pulling resources from different areas to, to take care of the, the numbers of people we've brought in or we've had encounters with. Um, a lot of that is the processing part. All right, there's probably the most time-consuming part of the of the uh, of the whole process is when you actually take care and do their and take care of their uh, their file from. From encounter to going to the station, it might be a couple hours, depending on the number of the group, um, how far away from the station you are, and transportation. But then, let's say I've got 
10 on the ground over here. Uh, another agent, maybe two, three miles away, has got another 10 on the other side, on the other side of our air, area of operations. You've got a group of 30 they're mess they've got. So there's 50, there's 50 bodies right there. There are 50 apprehensions. Okay. Um, where I'm at, other people will process it. So I don't have to clean what I catch. But that's 50 people that are in the station waiting to be processed. And that's not to say that there's already 50 more there. And we're also, they're also sending sending some of these apprehensions from other areas that are so overwhelmed. You know, you've got, I think Yuma's talking, I think they're getting anywhere from like 15 to 2,000 a day, 1,500 to 2,000 a day. So they're already overwhelmed. Um, so they'll send them to another area to, or some of them to another area to be processed. So like I said, and then you send them over to another station. Let's say they send 50 of them. And I've already, my station's caught 50 of them. And then the next shift has caught another 50. That's 150 bodies trying to be processed. And so once you start pulling manpower from the field to help process those, those people faster, there's more people making entry that we're not able to go apprehend because there's no one there to do it. So like I said, it, it's not, it's, it's being talked about, but I don't think it's being accurately, accurately reported. Does that make sense? It's just yeah, telling one part of the story, not, no, not the sense. whole story. It makes a lot of sense. This is a really good question. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm curious. Are a lot of people on border patrol, are they local folks that grew up in the area or do you see people from all around the country? Do you, you see a big mix? There's a few, there's a few locals. Um, so it's pretty much always been when you join the border patrol, you're going to do, you're going to, you're going to come work in the Southwest border or the Southern border. And um, for a little while they were letting people join and go to these locations on the Northern border. Um, but for the majority, it's all, you're all pretty much everyone's going to the Southern border to start with. Um, eventually, once you get a little time in a little seniority, you can go to these other places. Um, we all, we've got, we've got border patrol in Puerto Rico. You get a, you get a pretty good mix. You get guys um, from, from the East coast, um, from the Northeast. Uh, one guy, he was from Montana. I think he finally got to go back, at least to his home state. I don't know how close to home he actually ended up getting. But, yeah, it's a pretty good mix. Um, I could be wrong, but I want to say that Border Patrol is actually predominantly Hispanic, though. It's kind of an interesting thing. I, I don't know. Do they get – I don't know the best way to ask it, so I'll just fucking ask it. Do you know, obviously, a lot of the people coming from the southern border are Hispanic. Right. Do they get called racist or like other names that? Oh yeah, no, they, the they get you know, they, I mean, there's they've been called. Well, uh, some people try to say it, it's like you know, kind of hard to say it. Say that I'm I'm racist because well, I'm I'm from Mexico too. I think they get called traitor, you know, stuff like that. You know, like you know, how can you do this to to yeah, can you do this to a, to another Mexican, or or whatever the case may be? It's it happens, but it's it's not 
not too bad. Like I said, the white guys are an easier target. Fucking white male, fucking straight white male, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Now, our good friend Urban Dictionary guy has has, uh, showed up in the Instagram questions. Okay. And his question is, have you ever observed border sex? I thought we already. I thought we went over that with the where. Hold on, though. We didn't go over the specifics of border sex. Oh, okay. According to Urban Dictionary, it's when one sticks their penis through the American-Mexican border and into another person on the other side of the border. Okay, I did see some guy finger banging his girlfriend through the fence. Come on, that's not romantic. That was the closest he could get because there wasn't enough. There was. There's enough to get your hand through there, but not enough to get not enough to get your dick through there. I mean, you, you got. You got you I suppose it depends on the penis. You're gonna have to be hung like a horse, and apparently this guy was. All right. <laughs> okay. So speaking of fence, what what's the thought amongst border patrol as far as the fence goes? Because I know that was uh, Donald Trump's thing. Is the uh, you are fake news? Is the fence? I'm proud of myself. I was on the ball for that one. I, to me, it sounds like not the worst idea ever, but I don't. I don't know. No, um, it it buys us time. It's not. It doesn't completely stop things. Obviously, if that was the case, mm-hmm. it would have been done with. Um, I'd be out of a job. But no, it it does. It tends to buy us time. Um, we can possibly, you know, we can detect them as they're coming up to the fence, climbing up on the fence um might not be able to get right there and stop them at the fence but it buys us enough time to get ahead of them in our uh our more urban areas um and even the rural areas the rural areas are probably better because in town where we have maybe minutes to chase to chase after them and make an apprehension um in the rural areas i mean we can have that that minutes can turn to days oh wow so i can i can start tracking a group on monday and for whatever reason i you know the end of my shift comes up or um maybe i've got a medical call or something like that that comes up that i've got to go i've got to handle and i can come back tomorrow in some of these areas and i can get a usually have a pretty decent idea of where they're going to go um, or at least a general idea, and I can go up to a place where I think they might be by that time tomorrow or the next day, I should say, and go in there and pick up the same sign again and, and track them for another day. I mean, this probably sounds fucked up to some people, but that does kind of sound fun as tracking folks. It, I mean, we talked about it. I mean, like, you know, Hemingway, once you've hunted man, all other game pales comparison. It, Holy you, shit, we went dark there. Well, and I'm probably a really bad paraphrasing of what he said. <laughs> um, but it's it's very true. I mean, you are you're 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 hunting people. You are. Obviously, we're not we're not, you know, hunting hunting them down and putting them on a trophy wall, but you are you're you're tracking, you're following foot sign, you're looking for disturbances in the brush, uh, broken limbs, uh, maybe trash they've left behind, um, help. It's, like I said, 
but you are you're 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 hunting someone you're basically you're basically well like i said earlier playing hide and go seek one of our more woke followers has asked why do you prevent innocent refugees with saran wrapped flour from seeking asylum how dare you this is the last instagram question before we get into my dumb questions but is there a recommended number of whips per immigrant um all right (laughs) sorry i mean it's not funny but it is funny it is what it is now let me ask you something as we get into my dumb questions i have a new question it's not so dumb do you have a proudest moment of your career proudest moment of my career yeah um besides being on the podcast obviously obviously um you know yes and no so matter of fact without going into details um too many details um we had a 911 call about um an immigrant that was in distress um again it's it's hotter than all hell out it's it was like 115 116 degrees out after a lot of walking around looking looking for this person found him um she was she was in bad shape, real bad shape. Um, we're able to get her, get her up to the road where we can get her into a vehicle to go meet EMS. And it was by sheer dumb luck that I even found the person. Um, they were actually tucked in on the in the riverbed. It was a, a dry riverbed. And if I hadn't made that choice to go into the riverbed. I probably would have never found this found this person, and that would have been it. They they would have died for sure. Um, able to get her to to EMS um, to the paramedics, and they were able to uh, get her to the hospital. And I don't know what her what what's going on with her now, but as I said I know that by me being there, I actually saved someone's life, and. And said, who knows what would have happened if I hadn't have been there. So I'm pretty proud of that. Um, my family's real proud of me for that. So I mean, that right there was a was a big was a big deal. And like I said, actually, you know what? Making it through the academy was a, was a proud moment too. And having my wife and kids when, put- when I got when I got my badge pinned on. I say it feels good to get that badge pinned on, huh? Yeah, it does. It was it was an awesome feeling. I mean, it was a lot of work and a lot of time. I uh I have a picture of my dad pinning on my badge, and every time I see it, it fucking bums me out. That's a story for another day. Yeah. Um, no, um, well, the plan was my dad was going to be there to pin my badge on, but unfortunately, he passed before I went to the academy. Oh, sorry to hear that, buddy. So, but like I said, it was still like I said, it was still a pretty proud moment. I just wish he could have been there to share it with me. Not to get too dark but okay i i think you brought up something that i think it is relevant to this whole border issue and I, we can get back to my dumb questions in a second but you brought up that you know that you found you know this gal and essentially saved her life i assume that i mean it's not a safe journey there's there's people that no. don't make it right people i mean there's people that that yeah they don't make it um we uh there's been a few times we've responded to areas um 
where you just happen to find human remains or we've been notified that, hey, we left this guy here by this windmill. Um, you start kind of figuring out what he might have, what he might have been, what, what windmill he was talking about based on the description of the area they gave us. And yeah, um, I mean, it happens. It's, it's, you know, it, it's sad. I mean, I, I don't wish death on, on anyone, like I said, from trying to come here to make a better way for themselves. I don't know, man. I don't, I'm not very worldly and I don't know what the answers are to all of this, but no. I, I would just like to think if we had a, a better system in place and I even mean enforcement wise and fence or whatever, hopefully it would stop people from dying crossing the border. Yeah. Well, we have, there's rescue beacons out there in places. Um, we had, there's um, humanitarian groups that will leave like water and food drops for people. Um, I wish there was a better way to do things, but unfortunately that's, you know, this is what we have. So this is how we're trying to deal with it the best we can. Unfortunately, you know, people are, people are going to die. Some people are just, they're not cut out to, just not cut out to be traveling through the desert. So this is random, but I, I mean, is it unheard of for people to like hop on a boat and show up in East Texas or Louisiana or anything like that? You know, it's, it's possible. I mean, we haven't, I think they had boats show up, uh, I want to say in San Diego, and then it happens quite a bit in Puerto Rico and off the coast of Florida. But yeah, just show up like like on like a say like a tanker or a cargo ship. Yeah, no, I've not that I've heard of. Huh, okay, fair enough. All right, let's get back to the dumb dumb questions and lighten the mood a little bit. Okay. Now I assume that the Border Patrol, the best vehicle for that type of environment is the Crown Vic, right? Uh, so we have like a few crown Vicks. You guys, I'm actually surprised you guys have crown Vicks. That makes me happy inside. Yeah. Um, well, cause remember we, we, you know, we, we work the highways too. Um, uh, like I said, we had, uh, we had a few chargers They're They're phasing them all out. Um, the charger wasn't, I didn't think it was that great. Um, crown Vic was fun. Uh, but for the most part, we use uh, trucks and uh, like Tahoes. Like right now, I'm right now I've got a an F-150, and it's the uh, police interceptor uh, model. And I gotta tell you, I'm pretty impressed with that. I mean, I loved my F-150, and I uh, I think about it daily. It was a good truck. <laughs> it was a good truck. But in your opinion, what's the best patrol car of all time? Honestly, I'm gonna say. The Dodge Polaris with the 440 interceptor. This is Did you from say the, a Dodge Polaris? Isn't that like a fucking ATV? No, the Dodge Polaris was was the uh, one of the main go to uh, police cruisers back in the early 70s. I'm old as fuck, so you're not that old. You mean a Dodge Polara? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Polaris. Hold on. I, I found a Polara. I didn't find a... Oh, that is fucking cool. You see? Holy shit. That is really cool. But it's a Polara. Oh, Polara. My bad. 
but yeah, that was what my that was what my dad it's used when I was when I was, when I was real young, and I remember that I was at the time one of the fastest fastest cars on the road with that 440 intercept that the police had. My dad had a had an old Chevy Stepside with a what the hell did he have in it? I think he had a he had a Corvette motor in it, and he. Uh, he would go out and get drunk, and then he got drag racing with it. And there wasn't a there wasn't a cop car around that could catch him. But that Polaris came uh, Polaris came close. Now, if you want some bonus points, are you a fan of the Blues Brothers? I am. What car did they drive? What is the Blues Mobile? Oh, let's see. Hang on a second. No Google. Don't cheat. I'm not googling. I'm not googling. Um, crap. It was a Chevy, wasn't it? No. What'd they have? It was a 1974 Dodge Monaco. Ah, that's right. You're welcome, everybody out there, for that. Now, I love my Crown Vic, but if I could fucking come across one of those, I would I would find some way to fucking buy it. Buy some t-shirts so I can buy a Dodge Monaco, you fucks. Now... I assume being out on the border, there's probably not a lot of bathrooms around. I assume there may be a time or two that you shit your pants out on patrol out there. You know, occasionally it happens. You don't want it to, but it happens. Is there a a particular desert plant that you would advise people to use for toilet paper? Yeah, you know, no. (laughs) There's There's not too much vegetation. That's unfortunate. I, my dad fucked with me. I'm trying to think what it was, but it was like the, uh, he's like, oh yeah, you know, if you're ever out in the woods, you need to wipe your ass, wipe your ass with this. And it took me 20 years to figure out that he was full of shit and he was just fucking with me. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? Ah, oh, it's going to drive me nuts. I'll think of it later. It's like poison uh, oak. What the hell was it? It's probably shit. got, it's it probably like poison oak or poison ivy. Just no, it was. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts because I I'd say all the time and my wife's like, you know, your dad was fucking and I'd look at it and I'm like, no, he's not fucking with me. I don't going to drive me nuts. What it's called. Um, fuck. Oh, man. If, if I think left- of it, it'll be the name of the podcast and I'll be like, why is the podcast called this? And then you'll know. Uh, um, but if I can't think of like it. When something like that arises, though, and I don't have toilet paper or baby wipes with me and I... I, I will be the first to admit that I have left un- underwear that I've cut off or uh, half of my T-shirt. <laughs> I, ha- I well, have. That's I have, why you need I, five new pairs of pants each year, man. Uh, like I said, that's usually because I'm ripping them. If, if like I said, once you cut the underwear off, it's you're going commando the rest of the time. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what about these fucking hard chargers that are commando 24-7? I don't know what they do testicular torsion i guess so yeah <laughs> um yeah we're we're underwear it's it's good for the soul but i let's just be honest here this is something we need to probably talk about put a fucking thing of toilet paper in your gear like it's not gonna take up that much space i'm telling the kids this like no. oh, you might be out on a no. scene you might be <laughs> out somewhere like just carry something to clean up after yourself no. No. not toilet paper baby wipes Baby wipes are so much better because not only can you use them to wipe your ass, you can wash your hands. That's true. I'm. It's driving me nut with the 
nuts what the name of this fucking plant is called. Oh, it's going to piss me off. I'm going to spend like half the fucking time editing this podcast trying to figure it out. <laughs> uh, well, buddy, we've kind of come to the conclusion of the podcast. I, I hope I've, I've done everybody well and answered the questions despite my drinking of whiskey. Oh, I got to guess how much, how drunk you are. Uh, you, hold on a second. We will do that. You know what? Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Let's do that now. And then you can think about your words of wisdom. I'll, I'll start warming okay. the device up. So let me tell you how much I've, dr- I've drank. I had two shots of the, uh, the, the, the whiskey shit. I've had a bush latte apple. I've had a bush latte for the farmers. And then, as I said, I pre-gamed a little bit. So what do you think, sir, is my BAC? How many shots did you say? Two. Two? Uh, without knowing over what time period, I'm going to say you'd still probably blow a point one. A point, like, point one oh? All right. Yeah. That's possible. Here's the drum roll, folks. That's it. Point zero five. I wonder if we should do a second one just for just to see if it's different to see how accurate this is. We're going to because that's good radio. I'll get the drum roll ready for the second blow. That's what that's she what said. She said. <laughs> All right, here it goes. Point five. All right. Point okay. five, kids. So point, just point uh, five? wait a minute. That's not too bad. 0.05 or 0.5? Oh, 0.5, I'd be dead. Uh, 0.05, sorry. 0.05. Okay. So in uh, Colorado, if they change the law, it's like the baby DUI was a 0.05. Driving impaired, I think. I don't fucking remember. Yeah. It's been a while. I need to read the statute. Buddy, before I let you go, do you have any imparting words of wisdom for the millions of followers out there? Don't be afraid to do what's right. Dude, I fucking love that. It's so simple and um, it's great, man. I, I just. It's simple. It's. People worried about what everyone else is going to think or someone's going to give them shit about something. If it's right, it's right. You shouldn't have to worry about it. Who okay. Why not be the popular opinion, but it's the right thing to do. Can I add something to that? Sure. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Definitely. I think that applies kind of in that same thing. And that's, that's actually a topic of a podcast. I think I'm going to, I'm going to try and rope old Ben into later. Um, It's talking about that type of shit, because I I think that's something that, especially in law enforcement, you have these situations where there's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law and everywhere in between and discretion and stuff like that. And, I'm sure you've seen it too, you know, even, you know, different type of law enforcement, but just because you can doesn't necessarily mean that's yeah. morally the right thing to do. Okay. You can tase this person, but do you need to? <laughs> yep, exactly. You may be legally justified to do something, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're morally justified to do that. And you look at it this way. Okay. Is it going to be worth the paperwork? <laughs> that's that's always a good thing to take in mind, <laughs> but sometimes it's worth the paperwork so you don't get fucking smoked too. Yeah. So, oh man, oh yeah, well you're always going to do your paperwork. I mean, because that paperwork is going to be that's to cover your ass. 
but and everybody knows everybody knows i love fucking doing paperwork because it it tingles my inside like i wish my wife would hey i'm not that shit <laughs> yeah no i don't I mean, actually i don't let's just for clarification i don't need a finger up my bunghole sure you don't i don't know i mean i've heard it's great but that's just i don't know man i'm gonna be okay with that one but no like i said i mean i don't like paperwork but when i'm gonna do it i try to include everything possible i leave nothing out and when it comes to paperwork, remember that you're painting a picture, not for your colleagues, but for the dumbest son of a bitch on jury duty. You know, that's right. Well, Kelly, dude, thanks for all your time, man. I And, yeah. I, and I have to give a round of applause to Kelly because uh, my he actually stepped to the plate because, uh, oh, here's my round of applause. He stepped to the plate because uh, I, I had somebody call out sick to the podcast, can't do it. They couldn't talk. And I hit him up and he fucking stepped up right away and uh, he took the spot and he fucking knocked it out of the park. So thanks, dude. I appreciate it. No, nah, no worries. Like I said, my pleasure. It's been fun. That I is not what she said to know. me. Well, you guys know what to do. I should really work on a cool outro so it encourages you guys to spend your hard-earned money on me. But I get it. Inflation, you know, the greatest recovery of all time. Things are tough. But you got a couple extra <laughs> you got a couple extra bucks, you know. Uh, I always appreciate it. You can be the monthly donor and, you know, donate a dollar, $10, whatever a month to the podcast. So it really helps out quite a bit. And I got all kinds of fucking cool merch. I'm really – I this is going to come out like a week later, but I just released the new uh, T-shirts. They're fucking awesome. I love them. And then I got coins coming out to some new patches with my buddy's ghost patch. So all kinds of fucking cool stuff coming out. And then of course, you know, take care of the fine sponsors of the podcast, because without them, I'd have to go out and get a real job and you wouldn't have this terrible entertainment that you have. So do what you got to do. But of course, take care of your brothers and sisters. There's a lot of bad shit going on right now. So let's make sure the guys and gals that are being harmed at work or through their departments are being taken care of. So with that said, Remember, I love most of you. Bye-bye.